Hello and welcome to Happy Place with me, Fern Cotton. I've got an unbelievable treat for you this week. I'm chatting to Hanson. We're not the same at all and we've changed in every way except for the way you perceive us. I mean, yeah, we're still making music, but you're just not making it in the same way you did 25 years ago. There's a spirit that's the same, but your skills are different. The way you write is different. The amount of time you have to do it, what you want from your day and your life and your music is different. That voice belongs to Zach Hansen. He and older brothers Isaac and Taylor have been making music for 30 years. Absolute madness. And now they're back with a new album, Red, Green, Blue. Now, we share a similar career trajectory in the fact that we were all in the public eye since we were children. But what I was really interested in is the fact that, to me at least, it seems that these guys have coped incredibly well with fame over a prolonged period of time. As someone who at times was very guided by other people's opinion of me, especially when I was younger, I was so fascinated to talk to them about how and why they don't allow outside opinion to fundamentally shake their sense of self. I also, by the way, absolutely love the way they talk about each other and the roles they play in the band and in life. This chat is filled with the sort of insight that only comes from knowing people as intimately as siblings do. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com As many people will know from either listening to me back in the day on radio or if you listen to my sounds of the 90s radio show now, I was a mega Hanson fan when I was a teenager. So when I was chatting to Hanson, the 14-year-old in me was quite active, like freaking out at times, and the 40-year-old self kept it professional, people. The thing I love about Happy Place is that we can interview Deepak Chopra and Hanson, and it happened Let's listen to this raucous chat. Here's the show. Hello, Hanson. How are you? Good. Hello, we're pretty good. Great. Very good. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. So I hear you uh, and all the all the things we do on podcasts. Absolutely. So you're are you at home today? Where are you? We're in Tulsa. Yeah, we're in Oklahoma. We um we're at the, at the studio. At the studio, yeah. not not actually in in our respective homes homes, but in in our studio i sort of feel like the studio is a a home you know (laughs) yes home away from home i've been trying to put bunks in the studio for years they won't let me yeah but oh you need to have a bed there for sure it's it's a home i want a vacation from you know (laughs) i'm like please you're in there way too much and and what time of day is it there i'm i'm at 3 p.m this end where are you it's the morning. It's nine a.m. here. Yeah, yeah. you got your coffees. Okay, yep. yeah, good. are starting, but you know, all of us have kids, so we've been up for a while. Well, <laughs> quite. We're going to get onto that subject in a bit. Um, but we have. I've spoke to you, I think maybe two years ago now, and it's been a strange, mm. 
sort of time vortex over the last couple of years. So sort of lots has happened and nothing has happened, but we've got lots and lots to catch up on. But so you're now in your 30th year as a band, am I right? That's right. Well, we're technically this year, you know, 2022 is the year that we hit 30. We're a few weeks away from hitting the anniversary, not only of our first major release, Middle of Nowhere, which happened in May, but also our first proper half hour gig that we did a cappella in it was something like May 14th or 15th in 1992. So it just happened that our first major release and when the we started performing beginning. as yeah, a band, yeah. we're in the same month. So wow. kind of worked out. Though. Yes, we're old. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, this is it. Like, I don't yeah. know about you, but you know, I'm of a similar age to you all mm-hmm. and um <laughs> and i just i sometimes go how is that I, how can i be 40 that's actually not possible yeah. and how have 30 years passed and it's just it's a cliche but it has sort of just terrifyingly flown yeah oh, oh yeah it's true it's true i mean of course maybe that's what people always feel i don't know but i do feel like our generation i mean the lines of age have definitely changed I yeah think because for one in, in, in I don't think not not in a good way. I think people are almost too obsessed with youth. Like like yeah. you should just be where you are. But we we've also had a you know like a lot of the rites of passage you know have have faded in our generation of like this mm-hmm. is what's going to happen. You're going to go, you know I mean things that that our grandparents used to do that you know like you're going to actually have a, a suit that you're going to have to like actually wear somewhere. Like people yeah. don't mm-hmm. even put suits on even in board. Rooms, Except for me, it's just yeah. all in black. Though. Things are very like the the layers. I feel like of getting older, like the milestones have all kind of blurred away. Um, no, I agree. I, I don't feel particularly old. I'm 36, but when I think about it for a minute, I'm like, oh crap! Yeah. I look down at my nine year old, and I'm like, he thinks I'm old. Like yes. he he thinks. <laughs> He thinks about me the way I think about my dad, which is my dad was never young. <laughs> you know, like, like my dad is always old. Like he like, had oh, a mustache. Crap. Always. <laughs> I know. I um I sometimes think I feel about, I don't know, nineteen maybe. That's how I sort right. of feel. Yeah. And I go, right. what would it fit what would forty feel like? What's that meant to feel like? Because I don't feel it. I'm not there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But but when I when I'm around nineteen year olds. Yes, I that's when you feel forty. You feel, I don't want to be nineteen. <laughs> you're like, I, I feel full of youth and vigor and humor, and, and, like you're and then I'm around nineteen, and I was like, you know nothing. I know, I know. I have a twenty-year-old yeah. stepson, and I'm just obviously the like most seriously uncool person. I feel unbelievably <laughs> old around him and his friends, and um, it's so strange. There was a weird sort of phenomenon I experienced when I was researching for this chat today, watching some video clips of you guys in interviews mm-hmm. and interviews and whatnot. And every single, they were all American, I think, but every single American TV host that introduced you said the line, and here they are, all grown up, like there is an alternative that you might as still be 15. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and, and you can't just throw the U.S. under the bus on that one because that's a global <laughs> phenomenon. I'm sure. I'm right. sure it is. I, I'm sure. Like, what are people wanting you to turn up as teenagers? I don't understand. Uh, it's very peculiar. Well, you might have had you might have had some similar things along yes. the way too, because you you've yeah. been doing you've been doing radio since you were a, a young person, and like, yes. there's there's a degree and to TV, which doing it a lot. Yeah, of, TV yeah. exactly, all of it. So it's like so when you start off that young, I guess people just in have have that imprinted in their mind and that's okay 
but you're it is weird to have every record since middle of nowhere be reviewed as it's quite mature yeah like, you know, it's, it's evolving into a very mature album you're like wait it's, i'm sorry it's what a, it's kind of hilarious sorry i'm just thinking about what you just said to, to think about people imagining you showing up at 12, Still. 20 years later. Yeah. But they're like, hey, uh, it's Hanson, but I want to preface it real quick. They're grown up. Yeah. We better point well, that out because people might not as spot well that. For them. I know, but yeah. you know what? When you're in your sort of 60s and 70s, you're going to love that one. You will be clinging on <laughs> to that one for dear life. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be absolutely loving it's it. It's the fact that everybody is narcissistic. We're all obsessed with where we are. Yeah. And so we just think of everyone else. We need to relate them to our experiences. And that's, an, I mean, seriously, that's, I think, what it is, is that wherever you go, people just want to go like, okay, now I'm going to frame you around me. Or it's know? a little bit like having a a, uh, a family reunion every single time you go on a TV show. <laughs> oh, man! Man, you were this big last time I saw <laughs> yes. you. Yeah, but I was 28 then. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the last time. Oh, it's just bizarre. It's brilliantly bizarre. Um, so, look, we, as we've established, you started um, the band at a very young age. I was 15 when I started doing TV stuff. You guys are like, what, 9, t- 10, 12? You know, super, super yeah, young. Yeah. What incentivized you to, to pick up instruments in the first place? What was, what was the reason? Well, I mean, there, there's the, the true story, and then there's the lie version. Let's do which one. No, <laughs> okay. A true. Um, we the, only do truth on Happy Place. Only. Yeah, so, I mean, we heard rock and roll. I mean, we, we were, for one, um, musical family. Nobody had a career officially paying the bills with music, but both of our parents were super musical. And then we had this strange thing where we, we our dad took a job nobody wanted, which was to let go be an accountant in Latin America, kind of auditing operations for a company there that he worked for. And he took four children with him uh, and his <laughs> wife. And, and we were in this for a year plus, we were very isolated from a lot of things, but we had a little sampling of rock and roll. We had a collection of songs from 1958. It was like our little ro- American slice. And as young kids, we just sort of obsessively listened to these. Also, let me translate this for anyone that is listening. That is not, you know, our age, it would be like having a playlist. Yeah, yes. a song. Yeah, a specifically a tape you made know. from 1958. But only one playlist. Yeah. Only one playlist. So you we're, could only we're, listen to one playlist. Isaac yes. and I are, you know, really Zach is, you know, basically an infant at that point. But Isaac yeah. and I were young, you know, kids, and we're you're in this isolated situation, you know, internationally, and you kind of have some natural musical inclinations, but all of a sudden you have this exposure to Chuck Berry, Otis Redding. Um, you know, actually, Otis Redding wasn't on that, but yeah. um, you know, uh, Little Richard. Little Richard in, I mean, early, you know, songs like Rock and Robin and Splish Splash and Gagali Miss Molly and rock and roll at its core. And when we came back, as still very, very young, all of a sudden that was ingrained in our psyche. And this is totally of another generation, right? This is the late 50s when we're in the ni- late 80s, right? Ni- early yeah. 90s. It wasn't listening to our parents' old tapes, it would be like listening to their much older siblings. Yeah like tapes and records or even maybe almost their parents, but not quite. And so we, we just, you know, I remember distinctly, I mean, this is, I can just hear harmony. I mean, all of us hear harmony, but I just remember it being six years old and hearing Isaac was singing along to Chuck mm-hmm. Berry and I just hear harmony. I mean, you can't, it's like, that's a door and that's a harmony, you know? And, and so. You and just, I can attest to that, that I was always surprised how quickly and how easily you hear yeah. Right. He, that has always been a unique gift that Taylor has. Well, and it's one of those just, it's like, okay, there it is. Then you decide whether, wow, do you want to do it? Do you want to learn? Do you want to become a, get a craft? And we all started taking piano lessons. We did the classical piano thing. And, and it just snowballed from there. I mean, we, I like to say, you know, one of the things that happened was 
we realized that people, every time we would do it, and we'd just sort of stand up and sing because somebody would say, hey, don't you guys sing? Oh, you're so cute. And every time you do something that you get a good reaction, it's like Pavlov's dogs. Like, you want to do it again. You know, wow, yeah. people clap and smile and they give me, you know. And they gave me treats. And so it's, it's, it just <laughs> builds from there. And then you start to identify like, wow, like this actually is something people do. And then you see, I, you know, for me, it was Michael Jackson, you know, and going, oh, my God, like that. What is that? And so, well, Michael Jackson with his brothers as the Jackson Five, also exactly, just specifically the energy of like and, realizing, wait a second, it's not just a, you know a crazy dream. There's actually people that have started off very young at my age, basically, right, and now is one of the biggest artists in the world. That can happen, and the intensity know? of it, yeah. not just literally like fame and stardom, but that wow like there's something magnetic happening in this song and this rhythm and Zach famously um, rejected one of our neighbors that didn't know who the Jackson 5 were when we were kids <laughs> like sitting and of course this is late this early 90s these kids of course they don't know this stuff and we're talking about this and that and Zach at maybe like 7 and he said Jackson 5 who's that and Zach said you need to leave <laughs> Come back when you know who the Jackson and 5 are. So, I love that. You know, there's so many layers to music. Obviously, people, you know, more and more I'm convinced humans are musical. Everyone is musical, right? We're we're actually, we don't all have the same set of tools. But the reason people love music is because everyone kind of feels like they know how to do it at a primal level. Well, because on its most basic level, even just rhythm is something that people can respond to and understand. Yeah. Even if you don't don't have a great you know, melodic sense or, or ability to sing, you can respond to the rhythm that is happening and exactly. understand that. So. Yeah, and especially kids. And, it, you know, yeah. I see it in my own children, but it's remarkable that you, you felt all of those things and you recognised that it made you feel a certain way, but you also combined that with going... And we could give that a go and we could make this happen. And, you know, I'm I'm sure it's probably similar to when I started out TV presenting. You do have this Mm -hmm. sort of wonderful naivety that you go, yes, anything is possible. And I don't have that as much now at the age of 40, but certainly as kids... If you're lucky enough to be brought up in a in a household where you're, you know, either encouraged or I was really I wasn't particularly encouraged, but I was sort of left to my own devices. Yeah, you, you're you given the freedom to go. Yeah, I, I I could do that, and I'm going to give it a go. And and you know, not only did you have that thought, but you started to then action it to to enable yeah. it to happen. Well, I think that that's something that I would say to any parent, which is, look, you don't have to necessarily be the, the facilitator, but don't actively become the discourager. Yeah. You know, like like your kids will show certain, you know, innate kind of abilities, which in many cases will probably be an amalgam of things that are like you and like your spouse. And like, they'll be picking up on either through nurture or nature, which it's probably a lot nature in, in a lot of cases, but you have that element of, okay, well just don't screw it up. You know, <laughs> like, you know, you don't have to necessarily like put an afterburner on the rocket, but you know, you can at least let it be. And we, and we had that advantage of parents who, who were actually a little bit probably closer to the afterburner than, than anything. Well, they were, they were, mom was willing to, when we said crazy things out loud, mom was willing to go, well, that might be possible. We I love that. that. I love that. But that's so that's so brilliant because I think, you know, so many people that have wanted to do something, whether it's in the arts or something that doesn't fit into the very linear mm-hmm. education system, are discouraged because it's not yeah. seen as a viable route to any kind of, opportunity or or success but as you said you know you had that 
um, experience in family life. And that led you to, to, as you said earlier, perform in in different guises wherever you were. And one of those Mm -hmm. seminal moments being at the South by Southwest Festival, where you then met your your manager at the time and and then it it Mm -hmm. seemed to sort of just snowball from there for you guys and it was then this international whirlwind of you you know you were a band at that point and you were professionally working as children and and traveling the world and I I wonder how you took to that because that that's a, a monumental gear change to to deal with yeah, I mean, a million, million different layers to it. Um, yeah. But it, it did, I mean, absolutely, like, exponentially sped up. But in that moment, you think it's moving so, so slow. You're going, well, but, you know, it, it's actually, you look back and you go, wow, went from here to here. But, yeah, we... The we, days are long and the years are short, as exa- you say. Definitely. The days are long and the years are very short. And I I do think that that's true with career path like that one. But I, I would say just quick rewind, you know, something slightly broader is I do think that... Um, you know, there's so much possibility now around, especially the generation coming up. The one other thing, I don't think people hear this enough. It's not just for like something as rare and strange as succeeding in music, which is yeah. like 2% success rate or something crazy, if that, you know, if people yeah. even- 2% re- sounds like a even, lot. Re- even recouping the cost of making records and then, you know, having a career is, so we're very, very, very lucky and blessed to do it. But, you know, anything, I don't think they hear enough, like it's going to be hard. You know, yeah. I think people need to know, <laughs> like, if you, whatever path, like, it's going to take that toughness to just, not that it should be painful, but meaning, like, you're going to have to work at stuff. You're going to have to try. You're going to have to hear no a lot. And and that's okay. Like, that's actually more than likely what happens when you're on most paths. Even if you just decide, you know, hey, I want to be a doctor. Being a doctor is incredibly difficult. Being an attorney is different. I mean, running a business, whatever version you take. Hey, run, you know, running a one, you know, running a bakery or anything. I mean, I would not <laughs> want to be. Tr- I mean, being an exceptional plumber is not easy. <laughs> no. I mean, people that have whatever path you're on, you're going to hear a lot of like uphill climbing. And I think we had this strange combination. It's still true of our parents. They're totally opposite. My dad is all work ethic, and you know, he's a big heart. Show up and work, and get you know, do the hard work. Very masochistic. Uh, has to <laughs> feel the pain and my, my pain. mom like, is like Dad. do not say something to her that you don't want her to try and help you do like right. warning like there should be a warning like do not speak to this woman about anything you don't want to sort of actualize <laughs> our, uh, our wives had to learn that the hard she way she will show I up bet. with the you're like wait you, no I wasn't thinking like actually move the pool like tomorrow <laughs> no like let's go oh, 10 feet that direction here's the crane you know oh she sounds um, amazing she, no she is amazing what? she is um, but it's, it's the thing of like they, you know, you can't tell her something you don't want to do and you can't tell him something you don't want to work at. So, and so <laughs> the combination, the combination of that is like you standing in the middle going, ah, you yeah, know, it's so, all possible and you can do it with enough work. Yeah. yeah. But what, I guess it's interesting because, you know, wh- when does that even end? It's not like you guys released that first album went, cool, we're mm-hmm. done. We've done that now. You know, we, we mm-hmm. climbed the ladder to success and we've had it. It's, you know, the whole Hard work then, I think, really kicks in because you you want to stay in it or, or you want yeah. to yeah. grow within it. You know, yeah. I had a sort of career change of sorts about five years ago and sort of almost started again with building something new. And and I think you know yeah. that's also people don't necessarily want to to hear yeah. that. I guess at the start of a career is that you don't ever reach a final pinnacle mm-hmm. this moment of and then I felt complete because I was <laughs> successful or I reached this milestone because <laughs> then you'll just find a, another one or some or you feel uncomfortable yeah. in that or whatever so I guess it's kind of you know 
I'm very fortunate. I love my job. I get to do it every day. You're very fortunate. You get to make music and, and that's your job. But like you say, there has to be an element of hard work within that that structure of luck and fortune or oh, you know, yeah. or fate, yeah. whatever else steps in to, to get you to that place. So much work, so much commitment. Well, uh, I mean, I, I think the... I think the place where people really stumble and fail is that they assume because they're doing the same thing, it is the same thing, mm. right? Inevitably. Like people will talk about our dynamic. They go, how have you stayed together? How have you guys kept, you know, it, it good for so long? And I'm like, it's because we're not the same at all. And we've changed in every way except for the way you perceive us. I mean, yeah, we're still making music, but you're just not making it in the same way you did 25 years ago uh, um, yeah. and th there's a spirit that's the same but your skills are different the, the way you write is different the amount of time you have to do it what you want from your day and your life and your music yeah. is different I mean when when we <laughs> when we were you know I was 12 I mean I was writing songs about frogs I'm still writing songs <laughs> about frogs good but Frogs are right. The frogs are much more complex, you know? Like, <laughs> right. They turn into a prince and yeah. then they oh, it's let like the a princess down and then they won't take out the garbage. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but it is so interesting because, you know, I'm sure you can all look back at the strangeness of what you get exposed to within, you know, mm. we're just being in the public eye, but certainly yeah. traveling internationally and going on TV shows are all the bits that you don't necessarily oh, yeah. expect when you're starting out in music specifically. And the relentless commentary that you are exposed to, that's the nature mm, of yes. it, that people will always have commentary over what you're doing, not doing, whatever it might mm. be. And I can certainly look back, and, you know, I've been very honest about this previously in books or but also on the podcast talking about the fact that I can see how it's chipped away at me at times and I can see mm -hmm. how it's lessened my confidence in ways I can mm -hmm. certainly see how at times I've even got a bit mm -hmm. lost in that and who I am and and what I like somehow I've managed to not derail too much and you know I've certainly had yeah. some hairier moments where I've mentally not felt well but we've seen it play out time and time again with people that are exposed to you know are in the public eye and exposed to that level of commentary at a very young age and it does play out in devastating ways at times whether mm. it's yeah. you know all of these things are coping mechanisms by the way I'm I'm coming not from a place of judgment here you know whether it's drinking yeah. drugs gambling whatever it whatever it might yeah. be whatever we might see it as destruction they're all coping mechanisms because it's not normal to be exposed to all of that at such a young age. But seemingly from the yeah. outside, you three have navigated it very well. I mean, I don't know. I don't know you guys personally, but it seems from the outside that you've moved through it with your own sets of values really held firmly and staying true to what you like, which is simply making music. Is that accurate or have you felt... Well, the harsh reality of what it's like to grow up from a, a very young age in the public eye. My understanding is is that there's a psychological sort of jarring that happens when you become famous. And many, many people are sort of trapped in the personality at the age they were when they become like in the spotlight. And so I think that the thing with us is um, if people assume, you know, so Umbop came up when I was 12. And so they go, oh, you're you were 12 but but we had made so many choices at that point i think 
there was a maturity level on a lot of areas where, where, where we had already made the choice of the 25 year old of the 35 yeah. year yeah. old, I mean, it's, you it's, know, like we were like, in it. Yeah. You know? And, and so I think we, we were lucky that we had a, a really good sense of self, everything else you're talking about. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We went through all of that in an amazing amount of ways, but, yeah. um, because of that sense of self, like this is not what makes me who I am. This is not what uh, people's opinion is not going to change my value. Um, it was always an, an outside force that you were fighting against. You had the sense of when, when someone was uh, maybe making a judgment on you or commentating on you in a negative way or like... Or it's what like, you perceived as it's negative. It's like, they're obviously wrong. Like, mm-hmm. that was the sense about yeah. it. And so... Um, and that comes from your parents? Where does that come from? Because that's a really... That's an amazing realisation to have at a very young age. Certainly one well, that uh, totally passed me by. You know, I, I definitely felt defined at times by only commentary and very little by what I knew to be true. So I think it's... Yeah. I think it's exceptional that you all managed to retain that sense of self. And I, I can only assume that that comes from family values and, and, and how your parents no, dealt with you at a young age. It's absolutely our parents. But I mean, I think if we're getting really real, it's it's faith. I mean, it, it's, it's spiritual grounding. It's a spiritual grounding. It's it's that Christian faith of understanding like you you were made for a reason. You exist in the world as you are because like there is divine purpose for you and and that's never our, our music has never been christian music but uh, in the sense of like writing scriptures into our songs but when you hear a song like weird you know and it's it's like everybody's weird sometimes like you, that's coming from this sense of like but we all have purpose like don't you know don't give up on yourself look look into the world and and know that like you're making impacts in a positive way. You're you you have a value here, and and kind of not really a job to do, but 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 your job is to just be the best version of you, and that will result in where you're supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think the sense of purpose. I mean, speaking about it from the point of view of, of a divine, you know, view of of the world that's deeper than just hey, you're an accident. Hey, boom, you showed up. You know, the minute you just look at yourself as I'm supposed to be here, and there's just one me, and that's why I'm here. You know, I'm not just a clone of somebody else. I'm, that does change a perspective. And just to think about, you know, starting off young, the strange thing about breaking young is we didn't have, we, we didn't come out of a, a factory, you know. We were guys in a garage band that were writing these songs. And so... And very kind of, in some sense, overly confident and also yeah. overly naive all at the same time. <laughs> well, you were kids. You meant, so, meant, gra- meant to be. The, the saving grace, the saving grace too, um, of having a sense of, purpose the sense of you know i'm not just an accident and you know i'm going somewhere in my life regardless of whether the world sees it or whether i'm quietly in the garage is that we really came out of this as craftsmen and the voice that you've heard you know when we first broke in with mbop like that's a song you know that we wrote it's a song that was our message you know and then you have you know the, the continued story for songs like penny and me from our record when we launched the independent label and here we are and you know telling that story that's still us and so I think the advantage that we had, frankly, you know, as it, I'd much rather be an artist 
then honestly in your shoes where you're where you're present you know the, you're playing the role of host you're playing the role of curating culture at the time that's honestly harder because you have to respond to everyone's voice around you have to be kind of mm-hmm. hosting the, the the conversation of whatever's current in the moment with us we kind of can say well we don't care what's current this is what we want to say you know <laughs> this is who we are this is the painting we want to paint and i think for we're better or worse for better or for worse it's, yeah. and sometimes what you want to say hits the trend wave and you line it lines up where you are and where the world is and hits at the right time a lot of times it doesn't but the advantage of of being able to say look i'm an artist like i need to do this no matter what i need to do this whether there's ten thousand people or whether there's 10 people and that that sort of says well i'm going to be happy with my work one way or another and it's kind of a win as long as i start with i'm i'm proud of this and so i think that's a huge huge defining sort of grounding factor in what's helped i know for me survival mm. over time yeah because i mean you, it, it you, seems you like can a, do that. it seems like an amazing a very strong triangle of sort of you know having great family values the love of music and and the identity you hold within that combined with faith which i find so interesting you know i didn't grow up mm-hmm. with any particular doctrine or or religion in the household but my mum is has always clung quite tightly to sort of spiritual concepts sometimes out yeah, of yeah. her having a tough time mentally and, and needing to have something else. And it's something yeah. I'm deeply yeah. interested in. Well, I always have been, but I've really dug deep yeah. into it in the last five years. I just don't think that I had the, uh, perhaps, I don't know if it was savviness or passion to look <laughs> within that deeply enough as a kid. And, I, and I'm almost jealous that, you know, when you, when you align with a certain <laughs> religion, you can really work with that and you can... And you can work with the belief system there and you know that it works. Well, you guys are living proof that it works because (laughs) you're still doing what you do and you enjoy doing what you you do. And you haven't, I don't like using the word derailed, but I can't think of an alternative, but you haven't gone off into these sort of cliches that that happen with a lot of kids who grew up in the public eye because you've stuck with those three things that are intrinsic to to who you are and and how you'll... Mm remain happy within the madness i guess well, yeah that's I, within I say, the madness i like within to the say madness. I, yeah, exactly. I mean and th- and we're just talking about our family i mean <laughs> that's not even the world uh, I, you know truthfully though i, I think there is uh, you know an advantage to being in a band also because it is a little bit you know there's a there's a song off our last record called against the world there's a line that says it's you and me and us against the world and it's it's a song that was kind of directed in some sense at at the audience as well as us, but it really talks about the fact that when you're in this unit and you're in this band, it's a little bit like a band of brothers, literally, or or in the kind of like military sense. Figurative you know, sense, like yeah. you're you're kind of you're in this fight together in a lot of ways. And I do not envy folks like you or other solo artists or other TV presenters or radio hosts or things because there's a real challenge and a real difficulty in going through life on your own. I don't think we're meant to go through life on our own. If you don't have some constants like that with, you know, bandmates or brothers or things like that, that are kind of, shall we say, uh, holding you together or in some capacity, keeping you on the rails, being like, Hey man, don't push too hard. You know, the, the, the train might you know go off the tracks. It's, it's difficult to stay within a sane version of yourself because I will say probably me more than anyone, I am definitely guilty of being the one who feels like he's got a little bit more to prove and a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder about some things because I try very hard to understand other people Mm. and try very hard to kind of 
empathize why with are what they people are going that? through. Yeah, why do they keep saying that? And, yeah. why, and, and the idea that people, you know, go, oh, well, you're this and oh, well, you're that. And I feel like, wait, that's not right. I have a tendency to be fairly def- defensive at times because, and Taylor and Zach do not have that particular <laughs> thing in in their psyche they have other problems huge <laughs> massive problems <laughs> we could talk about that all podcast long so so but- do you guys all play almost a role within this trio to to support the work you're doing you know is there somebody that pushes things forward or someone that pulls things back a bit and what's the dynamic how does that work i would say that um our personalities fit fairly well with our instruments um so when you look at a, a piano uh, you have 88 keys, and and you want to play all the instruments, all the lines at the same time, right? This is yeah. very Taylor. <laughs> the big it's dream. Com- the, it's a composer's instrument. I, I'm playing the bass, and I'm playing the high part. I'm playing the chords, yeah. right? Lead guitarists are playing off of people. So, you know, Isaac is always playing off of people. That That's even in your description of your own challenges, right? You're, right. you're expressing that you would hear someone say something and and play off of that have a feeling reacting to that and so like that's sort of the role the classic playing. line from yeah. ike in the studio or writing songs ooh, 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 that's a cool idea go yeah, there yeah <laughs> um, ooh, ooh, ooh. and 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 i think drummers as a as a whole like um my wife said to me it's crazy that you have to assemble your instrument every time you go somewhere right that's unique <laughs> to a drummer you have to put it together like an erector set and i think because of that like Drummers just, they don't care. They know their job is the most important, whether other people realize that or not. <laughs> they, they, know the so- they know the song doesn't start until they start, and it ends whenever they stop playing. Wow. Right? And, and it's a foundational and, thing. And it's so, the foundation know, of uh, the Baron Lied describing his role, that, he affirms his Zach's <laughs> perspective on his role. So there's a very, um, you know, my role is to uh, is to kind of be the guy that shows up to to facilitate what's needed. You know, you know, like it's so, not like so much my that you're role. wrong; it's that you just haven't realized that I'm yeah, right. But what right. I mean is, I, I know, I know people dreamer. like you. I'm not a dreamer. I'm not a dreamer. You know, yeah. for, for being in a band for years and years and years, and and doing all this and all the amazing things and places we've gone, and you know, we were just playing uh, a, a surprise show at a festival for. There were 70,000 people. You're standing on stage and you're like, what? We're in Mexico playing a show. There's 70,000 people. This is insane. Yeah. Right? But I'm not a dreamer. Like, I, I'm a doer. Like, music is like a set of Legos in front of you. And it can be assembled a hundred ways. But it, it's sort of, that's a note and that's a note. And, and you build it. So it's, it's, it's not a mystery. Dreamer, I, doer, and counselor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it is interesting. So I would I would just add to that. So I mean, we're all everybody's very creative in very dif- in very different ways. And and I everything Zach said is right. He's totally controlling. Um, wait, I mean, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm actually you know I'm we're all controlling in our own way of what matter matters to us. I mean, I definitely look at things sort of if you think about building things. I definitely like to play the architect from the point of view. I love to, I want to draw the whole picture. Like I want to know the whole. I want to even if the wings never built. I want to think about, yeah, but that's where the tennis court would be, and that's where the, you know, and I would, I would say, as Zach's described, we've described different ways. Ike, um, to me, is is actually like the, to me, is the carpenter. He's the guy who's like carving out the mantle in this beautiful, ornate way, and like he's there, and it's beautiful, and it's Ike's doing that, and it's, and he, that's where he, he's present, you know, 
And then Zach to me is the builder. Zach's more like, he's like, let's build the thing. Why are you still designing the wing? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we know this is a house. It we has rooms. We have a timeline. We have things we've got to do. It's beautiful. It's fine. It's One, two, three, four, go. Yeah, it's just great. get on with it. Why are we still designing a wing? Uh, but it's like This they, isn't a plane. It's a house. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to be able to pay for the tennis court. Stop designing it. Um, but it's yeah. it, it's the feeling off of each other, and and regardless of people's different process, and some days, I mean, interestingly, in those roles, a lot of times you you change roles depending on what's you know what you're driving. You know, this new project we've done was I would say extremely painful for me uh, because it was a detachment of what I have always loved a lot about our records, which is knowing kind of at the beginning okay here's the here's the eight songs and here's the 12 songs and i know at least like we've all kind of there's just too many questions and this one yeah. the you know the consensus was everybody's going to take five songs and essentially write them and then bring the others in you know to work on them you know with a couple other partners that we love and respect jim scott legendary jim scott producer mixer engineer and then legendary davi garza writer artist producer anyway um, but still, the lack of like, hey, this is how like feeling like you can bring everything to bear was painful. But you couldn't fully be the architect. Yeah, yeah you had to but, let but go. The process, yeah, but the yeah. process I know for everybody in this record, it allowed people to to stretch some muscles that they hadn't stretched, and and it it shifted certain roles. And you know, Isaac had to say, well, you know, I have to be the taskmaster on this, and Zach had to say, I have to be the dreamer on this, and I had to be the, you know, play off of you in a different way on these. Yeah. Thing. So, the, you know, this sense of whatever your role, like your strong in, you know, this is who I am is you're always having to kind of adjust to get from here to there. You know, it's not like you get to just stay in a fixed position. You have to respond. You have to figure out how to get it done. I mean, and, and not kill each other. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Being related and having been in a band together for so long, you, you have to put effort into doing things differently. Otherwise, I'm sure there would be an element where you'd get perhaps not complacent, but you know how this works. This is how we do things. So I think it's interesting with this new project that you've decided to combine these sort of three, I guess, solo records mm-hmm. into one album to to test every element of everything that you've just talked about. Because, <laughs> you know, as much as we all love what we do, you don't want to get bored in it. You don't want to you know, rest on your laurels and know that you can do things a certain way. So I, th- I think it's I think it's brilliant that you're doing that. And, you know, I'm deeply interested in how the hell you do all of this combined with family life because you have multiple children. Uh, Taylor yes. obviously wins with seven. And <laughs> yes, this is this is not my most well-structured question or well-thought-out uh, but how, how, how do you parent seven children? I honestly only <laughs> just cope with t- just, I've got one off school today. He's not even that yeah. ill. Like, I, I know yeah. he's not. He's pretending. He had to play he's Nintendo playing. earlier whilst I recorded my radio show because he had nowhere else to go. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, this is impossible. So 
to deal with seven kids. I, 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 hats off. I honestly don't know how you do it. Well, I think, well, first of all, we're, we're not doing the brunt of the work in a lot of cases. It is our exceptional wives. Oh Your amazing who, wives. Who Tell me about these women because they're incredible. Oh, well, they've, they've Taylor, dedicated, well, their, they've yes, dedicated their lives to the nurturing and, and, and care of the kids that we have together. And, you know, obviously each... Uh, just like each of us are different, our relationships and our wives are obviously very unique to, Absolutely. to each family kind of structure. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think, but the thing that is is the same is they're kind of like us when we're on the road, which we haven't been for a couple of years, which actually in some ways has been really cool. Um, but they're ready to they're, see us. They're ready to, they, they do it 24 <laughs> seven, but they're ready to see us. Yeah, yeah. bye. So you know, yes, yeah. yes, please how, leave us. How do you, um, I mean, Let's get real. I mean, having kids is essentially an act in selflessness because children, as amazing and adorable and lovable as they are, they're completely selfish, right? Kids, they're just completely focused on what they want to do, whatever it is. I mean, we're talking about our career. As small children, we thought we're going to be a band and, you know, we're going to travel the world. And our parents were like, oh, my God, I've got to help them do this. <sighs> you know, and that's that's the experience every day. Yeah. Right. Whether what kids want is both the best possible thing for them. Right. As they're dreaming and they're, mm-hmm. I'm going to be an author and here's my story and I'm going to make, you know, and then they just want to eat a whole bucket of ice cream yeah. for dinner and Which breakfast. Which is not good right? for them. No. And, no. And so, I mean, I think. But it's fantastic. Is it. Is it as hard as you think it is? It's 120% as hard as you think it is. But it's just, if that's not your favorite thing to do in the world, um, you probably shouldn't be a parent because (laughs) you're going to spend all of your time worried about them killing themselves. The worry, (laughs) the anxiety. Uh, I mean, like, God. I mean, like, like, put down the scissors, put down the scissors. Oh, my God. No. Oh, God. And just the anxiety of, like, the world that we live in currently, which we know is in a state of flux in all manner of ways. And yes, yes. I have real anxiety about that. You know, oh, my God, how do we, and like the technology element to things. Oh, my God. How do we even, we can't protect, like this is the world they're growing up in. That causes me much angst. I don't know how we deal with that one. I would just just jump in there and add, you know, agree, agree. Uh, But, you know, the thing about... um, for one, large, large volumes of children is it it evolves. You know, we as I said earlier, the phrase that I've like now believe like it, I'm reminded of every day of you know the days are long and the years are short, is really really gets true as you get longer and longer. And as your kids get older, you'll see this even more. I have a 19 year old and I have a one year old, and and it is so crazy because I'm looking at my 19 year old and I'm like, you really were three. Like a minute ago. Yeah. I mean, it is weird. I mean, I was just with my 17 year old daughter who you know, just turned 17, and, you know, she's talking Get about ready world. be oh, a doctor, wow. you know, and, Pe- oh, yeah. you know, Penny's an amazing person and, and, you know, has all the dreams and all the, you know, things, all the crazies that she yeah. wants to do and it, and she'll do it. But it's the thing of being present in where you are because, yeah. you know, when you're like not sleeping at all in the early years where your kids, you know, the little babies and you're like, I really don't remember what sleep feels like. It does end. It actually, that part does end. I mean, I've seen that end. It's called touring. Um, Wait, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's that thing of like trying to take in what you get. Um, because, you know, one of the things that I am, I feel like really blown away by now is 
that registering that life feels short partly because you're not the same person the whole time, right? You, you're the kid version of yourself, you're the teen version of yourself, you're the young adult, then you're the parent, hopefully, then you're eventually grandparent and blah, blah, blah. And like you get these little windows, like where you're in that role for a while. And to me, that's kind of where the magic sauce is, is realizing that wherever you are, it's just a window of time. Like it's going to evolve. And so you can either be really frustrated and like crazy about it, or you can realize it's going to evolve. And all of a sudden you're going to be in the next role. And, and I've seen that now like crazy vividly because of that many kids and, and you, you keep evolving forward. Yes, you're more tired. But, so but I think we're also at a point. <laughs> so, so, so tired. Yeah, so, so tired. So tired. So tired. <laughs> well, so you know. it's, it's, um, yeah, it's mental, mental exhaustion ending. is a real thing. Yeah. I, we, we, we don't have, you know, outside of, um, you know, everyone has their different dynamic. I mean, you know, my, my dynamic with my wife is very different than Isaac's with his and Taylor's with, with his, but ultimately, I mean, as dads, we didn't actually make these children. And so we don't take on the the role. No, no, no. I mean, like every cell in the body is made by the mom. Yeah, that's true. And and there's, there's a connection and a burden and a beautiful thing that, that you don't quite get to participate in as a dad, because ultimately they're, they're yours like on loan from mom, <laughs> you know, they're yours on loan from mom. And then and eventually, so, and then eventually your wife is like, seriously, take them. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, take but all I, of it them. It's a partnership though. It's a, it's a huge partnership. I mean, though, it is, that's, but, but that's we're the, the offensive line and mom is the quarterback. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, so true. like our so job true. is to protect her and to take care of her. And, and without us, mom's in trouble. She's getting sacked all the time. Sorry, I'm using American football. Yeah, but, I don't know anything about you know, any under football, attack. British yeah. or American, yeah. but I get the I get the analogy. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on it. Yeah. And so let's talk about, you know, I should have talked about this earlier when we were discussing sort of growing up in, in the industry, but mm-hmm. I, I've pondered this a lot personally. And I wonder, well, actually, I know the answer to it. Um, looking at my own life, if I had been doing the job I was doing back in the day and there had been the prevalence of social media that we're experiencing today, I don't know if I could have stuck it out. I don't know if I could have dealt with that, which is a whole extra layer of everything. It's, you know, it's impossible to unpick the whole thing. Constant and noisy and... Um, full of comparison. And, and, you know, we were all very lucky in terms of, you know, starting our careers in the 90s. And that was not a thing. There was the level of commentary that obviously we've we've gotten used to, but that ubiquitous nature of it that all kids are dealing with today, you know, no matter if they're in the public eye or not, every kid is dealing with that element of, yeah, just relentless information they're having to imbibe and and process. I don't think I would still be in the job today. And I wonder what are your feelings about that? How would you, how do you think you would have coped personally? How do you deal with it with your own children today? Well, I mean, I guess, well, again, I mean, I, each I, of I'm, us are different. I, I'm, the, uh, I'm the laggard over here. My son, who's 15, only just got a cell phone. Oh, that's amazing. Well done, um, you. I know there are a lot of folks that probably couldn't do that or didn't wouldn't feel comfortable with that, but he only just got one, and uh, so it is possible to do that. I, I one of the one of the things I will say though, I, 
I think I think we should all strongly consider the idea that social media is not a good idea for young people. <laughs> like real, I mean, very seriously. Like there's a there's a great uh, social psychologist named Jonathan Haidt uh, who talks okay. about this. No a lot. social media before eighteen. Okay. Yeah, I mean, or, or at least sixteen. I mean, you know, like it's just too. I I'm, I think the opposite. I think the adults need to turn it off because they're the yeah. Ones it's affecting. I, I do think it's problem. affecting everybody. It is for sure. I think it's kids think, and adults. The, it's it's not great for our oh, yeah. brains. You know, you guys, what do you mean? Anti-social media? Yeah. Yeah. It's, actual socializing in real life with actual it, humans. I, yeah. There so, you, go. you know, this probably, I think, all goes back to that sense of self and that sense of value. And I think the only issue with social media is that we have decided that it has some bearing on our value in the world that we have made our economic value associated with it, our social value associated with it. It's a game. And some people are good at it and some people are bad at it. If I went out and played uh, a game of baseball, I know I'm bad at baseball. I don't care how I do. I'm doing it for the exercise and the sun and the fun, right? Yeah. And, and I think if people would approach social media that way, it would be what it is, which is just a, a big sport yeah. of opinion game. It's just yeah. a big game, guys. It's actually like the politicization in a weird way of like entire human existence, existence in a way. And I mean that in the sense that by nature of debate and policy, like it just it gets because that's the only sport I can think of that is about <laughs> the kind of like you know well, discussing and the look. Fighting. It's an amazing idea, right? That we have somebody. Let's say random artist has a million followers, right? And the comment section is on. And that means that somebody with no followers can get access to a million people by being the first person to comment. This is an insane idea. This is an insane idea. People with toxic ideas that would yeah. never have anyone uh, care what they think or you know, that respond aggressively or violently, verbally, like they get to comment and be the first person and have access to everyone yeah it seems like it's you know there's obviously it's an insane yeah i mean there's there's always that sort of analogy that it's a little bit like having road rage where you dehumanize the person in the next car and you don't really care what the consequences are because you're about to drive off and you know i was listening to one of russell brown's podcast this morning Mm -hmm. when i was on a walk and i can't think of the chap he was interviewing but anyway they, they were sort of discussing this and actually they brought faith into the equation in the sense that You know, when you look at religions prior to the modern age, there was, you know, there's we could sit there and argue the wrongs and rights of everything all day. But the premise being that there was an understanding that there was common decency and that the aim was to be kind and that the aim was to be a decent person, a helpful person, etc. I know it's way more complicated than that. And there's nuance to that that some don't agree with, whatever. But I'm talking about the general premise being within most religions that the aim was to show decency and to be a kind, good person. And it seems like, you know, I I enjoy parts of social media. I'm not here to completely slag it off. There's there's parts of it that I do find fun and that I do find connective. But where it's become just magnified and warped is where all decency is just wiped off the face of the planet. Like, you don't have to have it. Like, come over into this space. You can say whatever you want. We're going to call it freedom of speech. Go. And it's where everything gets muddled and warped. And, you know, I think it's as dangerous for adults as as it is for kids, potentially. But it is... I think you're right, Zach, in the fact that we need to just see it as a fun game. Part of what I would... I think that that we're talking about or the challenge would be figuring out how to actually 
say things that are about something versus just saying them to say them. I mean, because if you think about it, if you, like the guy that built the, the million followers, at the very least, they did a funny dance to probably get a million, you know, I say, you know. But the idea is, like, if you're just chasing, you know, I'm the loudest squeaky wheel, like, that's pretty much just a black hole. Like, you figuring out how to, I mean, the greatest gift that I feel like I've been given from our time is we learning how to try and get really good at something early in life. And the, the, the thing about that is if you try and actually get really good at anything, like anything, I'm going to be a good reader, I'm going to be a good runner, I'm going to be a good musician, you see what you're made of. And the problem with so much of these things is the access is so low that you can become sort of, you can build a reputation based on almost no talent. You know, and I, that to me, that's the scariest thing about the world we're in is how much how much can be done by simply yelling or screaming yeah. or, or not having an idea versus like, hey, I have this idea, like better mousetrap, a cooler car. What about a hat that fits better? Like if you could just channel the possibilities, like that's incredible. But it's the it's the noise where, you know, you worked really hard to <laughs> succeed doing what you do as far as jumping out there. I, I think actually, the, no, those people are really good because the game they're playing is get a reaction. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And in a world where in social media, the game is get a reaction. It's not I'm, get followers. It's not uh, be the best at something. It's how do I get a reaction? Uh, how do I get the algorithm to react to me? And that can be negative reaction, positive reaction. But uh, that's not getting good at anything that's redeemable. No, that's I didn't say it was. <laughs> it, but it's so strange because it's also. Anyway, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't you think it's yeah. it's also you know incrementally lots of things for us have changed culturally and cognitively that we're sort of only realizing now. And one of them is that it's almost a crime to not have an opinion on something. And sometimes when there is you know something that's very noisy on social media or or even in the mm-hmm. news or whatever it is going on. Sometimes I think I genuinely don't have an opinion because I genuinely don't feel like either I don't know who these people are, so I I don't know their backstory and I don't know who's wrong or right or whatever, or I just don't know enough about it. But it's almost a crime to say that out loud, that Mm -hmm. you don't have an opinion. And, you know, then if you think about, we had an amazing Buddhist monk on the podcast a while back who's since sadly passed away, but his whole mantra was, I may be wrong. You know, and the humbling thought that, we don't know anything. Yeah, we literally don't know yeah. anything. But it, but that and and yeah. that beautiful theory that is seeped in a very sort of esoteric yeah. thinking has become like the worst thing possible that you don't have commentary on something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yay! Yeah, bravo, bravo. Stop commenting, everyone. We just, <laughs> we just um, finished a song that'll that'll come out to our fan club uh, this year. It's called Strange World, and one of the lines in the song says, "So much that we know for sure is just what we comprehend." Right. It's a strange world. I think you're so right. And and just as an exercise, everyone should figure out some I don't know if it's an amount of time or amount of days or amount of words you've read on the topic. But but just sort of refrain and just go, what do I really know? How many people have I asked before you before you weigh in? I mean, if it's the Oscars or something like that, maybe you can make a comment. But when you're talking about really important things, social issues, movements, these these things that that have real weight, and and there are people who really are defining themselves by the results of these things, Mm -hmm. we should take a minute and go, is it time for me to make a comment? Do do I have a place in this conversation yet? Not everyone has 
a, a place because the world's, you know, events affect you. But is it time for me to speak? Like, has the conch come to me? Is it, is it yeah. my turn? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm reminded of, of some stuff that, you know, our dad would often say when we were young kids and this, and I promise this relates, which is that, you know, when we're in these environments where there's a lot of folks and, you know, you're, especially in the very beginning as this first record is blowing up and even second record, all these kind of things. And throughout our lives, our dad would constantly remind us, Hey, look, you may only meet this person one time in your life. So treat them with that, with that knowledge that this may be the only impression you make on this person ever. Right. And, and so do your best to be present with that person as much as possible and to reflect who you want to be and who you, and who you believe that you can be, even if you're tired, even if it's the thousandth time, the 10,000th time, even if you're at dinner with your friends or whatever, remember this may be the only moment. And then to broaden that thought, I think we're all at war with ourselves. Oh yeah. We're all at war with our own selves. And the great kind of fight that we're fighting is against self-righteousness and ego. Ego. Okay. It's the old ego. It's behind and, everything. And it is. And it is. And it's the it is the enemy within our own souls yeah. and hearts. And the terrifying thing about what we're talking about right now with regard to social media is it is like gasoline on the ego. And because it inspires you as the naive and self-righteous person that you inevitably are, all of us find ourselves in that place, right? To respond like a reflex. You know, the person hit your knee with the rubber hammer and you went ding! And you didn't even think. It inspires you to do things without thinking. If you're not careful, you just fall into that trap constantly. And then you become the worst version of yourself, yeah. not the best version of yourself, which hopefully the best version of yourself is to go so far as to treat others the way you want to be treated. And even, shall I say, so extremely love those who do not love you. Yeah, I get right, it's right. Love like your enemy. Like goes yourself. back to that lovely decency we've talked about being decent yeah. rather than yeah. right. Like thinking that you're right, you know, Um oh, yeah. I, I love it. I think that's it, it's uh, the whole sort of conversation around being a decent human is undervalued in the modern world and one that I really yeah. love yes. having. So um, I know you're very busy. You're about to go on tour. Where's the first stop of your world tour, by the way? Uh, uh, first stop is Helsinki. Nice. Actually. Nice. So starting yeah. in we're yeah. coming across Europe and be in the UK in June. And then yeah. we do, I mean, we're all making up for lost time. All the musicians that have during the pandemic been essentially, you know, stationary grounded. So we'll be in, you know, 90 or so cities across wow. the world and summertime, July, August, September, we'll be back in the U S and, um, so yeah, just busy. Amazing. Busy. Amazing. Well, look, I wish you all the luck with your red, green and blue. I think I got that in the right order at all. Um, yes. I wish you all the best with it. And it's been lovely catching up with you today. Thank you so much for chatting. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for your time. Oh, that was fun. What brilliant people. I loved talking to Isaac, Zach and Taylor. Just wonderful. Thank you for the laughter, guys, and the thoughtfulness too. Hanson's new album, Red, Green, Blue, is out on the 20th of May. And as you just heard, they're going on tour this summer. They're going to be doing some pretty special shows all over the world. 
I'll be back next week with another insightful chap. So make sure you're following Happy Place on your podcast feed to be the first to know about that episode. And you can follow us on Instagram too if you like. We're over at Happy Place Official. Until then, a massive thank you again to Hanson, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you gorgeous lot. Thank you for listening. I love you dearly and we'll speak very soon. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.